Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm Larry Wydell, and before we get started, if you want to know exactly how to win again and again, go to WydellOnWinning.com forward slash webinar now to watch something I've put together for you. Now let's get going into this episode of Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm here talking with Mike Tunnel. And he's uh, basically from Dallas, Texas, but he's moved outside of Dallas. Actually, where are you today, Mike? I'm actually at my ranch today in Lindale, Texas. I just got back from Mexico late last night. And uh, uh, I appreciate you uh, sharing with me. And what uh, you and I have never really talked much about was the intersection of our lives, which we didn't know in let's see, 60, I forget, whatever the year was. <coughs> last year at Georgia Tech, I was the student leader for Campus Crusade at Georgia Tech. And the year after uh, that, you showed up as the Campus Crusade representative on the Georgia Tech campus. We, we went the same, traveled the same paths, talked to the same people. We never knew we were both at Georgia Tech. Yeah. Uh, working in that capacity, but you, uh, you learn things and, uh, early, you just been talking about how you, that impact your life. You're really getting an education on how to be super successful in business, but you were getting prepared. You know, you plant seeds and, uh, uh, you know, the, you can't throw seeds on a hard ground and grow crops. You know, the ground's got to be plowed up. A lot of people go through times in their life where their life is being plowed up and they don't know great things are heading their way in the future if they just keep moving forward. And uh, that disruption actually can be for a purpose. You know, you can be learning things because when I was in construction, uh, I worked for a absolute maniac, but uh, you know, we had to build 25 houses a year. I was totally responsible for that. And that forced me to get super organized, which uh, when I got into business and we were doing the expansion, all that was, all that grid was in my brain. I realized that's why I had to learn that organization, you know? And so uh, people, as you're listening to Mike, you're hearing uh, the, in results of how this has played out, but it was only because Mike dove in early and was willing to put people first and kind of follow his instincts. You know, when it came time to get your own boss and get out there and be able to uh, earn more income so you can have a bigger impact and uh, reach more people, you know, have more time, more resources and more freedom. Uh, you, you jumped on this thing, but what I was impressed about you early in your career, Mike, was you and I kind of, again, had the same approach, you know, uh, I realized I had to have help. I couldn't do everything myself. And you were getting, even when you were a district leader, uh, the early level, first level of management, uh, way out there in Dallas, Texas, and the home office was in Atlanta, you had yourself, you arranged your schedule so you could focus on talking and finding people and telling people what we could do for them to build your team where you could get in front of as many of them as fast as possible. And you had a tape recorder, a little mini tape recorder, as I remember it. And when you left the house, 
you would make the notes just like a doctor do, used to, the, the doctors used to do uh, for the nurses after they uh, saw you in their office. And uh, you would drop that, that tape off. You had a guy who was studying at college at one of the seminaries, I believe, and yep. he would come over and pick up that thing. And he, he had the complete to-do list. But even as a get started person, you had your mind on how can I focus on what I'm the best at and get the most of that done and then get somebody to support me to do the stuff that I just can't get myself to do. And uh, talk about that, how your mind. Uh, you, you've got a great memory. I can't believe you remember that. Yeah, I just, um, it was 747 crash tomorrow. It had $100 bills by the millions. And the government calls says we have a litter problem. I tell you what we'll do. If you'll help us pick up these hundreds, you can keep whatever you got. Do you think people would be doing, watching videos? Do you think they'd be going to their anniversary dinner that night? Do you think they'd be going to the Little League softball game? They'd say, we're going to put a moratorium on that. We're going to go pick up $100 bills and $100 bills. And we're going to be so wealthy that we can do anything we want to do the rest of our life. But our people, Larry, they try to do anything that they can do to keep them from busy, from having to go actually see new people. But I had enough sense to know that the more new people I saw every week, the more money I was going to make. And I was so tired of being broke with Campus Crusade. Just show me how to see more people. So I hired a guy by the name of Dave Perry. He was a seminary guy. We went to church together, and he needed part-time income at the little cassette. And I'm a big note writer. And the minute I left that house, say if I just met with you, I'd say, uh, send Larry a note and tell him this, Larry, it was great meeting you, love meeting your boys, da-da-da-da-da. We'll send off your app. They'll call you at the medical here in a couple of days, da-da-da. And then I'd say, go ahead and order the medical. We had to do our own physicals back then, order that. And I would list on that. And I would call him and I'd say, okay, I've got a tape there by my desk. You can come by any time today, pick it up. And he handled that. But... I didn't have to do any of that stuff, and it freed me up to do it. Larry, I, I'm amazed at the number of people in Prime America who are even making 100, 200 sometimes, and they still don't have a secretary. And I said, now, how do you ever recruit a secretary for our business? You tell her secretaries, they don't pay much income of us to make all this money, but yet you do secretary work yourself. So what you're telling us, I like your job because I'm doing it. I can truthfully say I've never done a day's worth of secretarial work in my life in this business. That's not what pays me the money. You know, Art used to tell us if you produce seven to 10 first generation RVPs, just making 50,000 a year, that's minimum wage. And they've been with you three to five years, you'll become financially independent. Now we both know financially independent means different things to different people. Some people, they just had $50,000 guaranteed ever, they're set forever. Others have got to be a hundred. Some of us got to be a half of me. So whatever it is. So I actually called uh, the home office once and uh, Rick Williams did it. And he, I remember he called back and said, Mike, I hope you're sitting down. We never looked at that, but we looked at every RVP in this company that has seven to 10 first generation to make at least 50. And the average income in Larry was like 600,000 or something. So you just, let's say it was 700 just to make math. Simple. If you got seven guys, you ever produced RVP, they would make you $100,000 minimum the rest of your life. And you sell our company, you sell eight times earnings. So if you're making 700 times, that's $5.6 million you can sell those knuckleheads for. Think how much each of those guys worth. So why would I spend my time doing secretary work 
when I go out and find a guy that might become an RBP, there's somebody that'll be making me $100,000 a year whether I'm fishing in Mexico, playing with kids in Mexico or whatever, and could even sell him someday. So I'm just amazed at how few people they see. Uh, Larry, you and I have hunted in Argentina and Mexico, dove hunted, and I was going to Mexico a number of years ago, or Argentina, I forget, out Mexico. And my son said, well, Dad, are you going to kick everybody's butt again? I said, well, yeah. He said, Dad, are you just that better of a shot? I said, I don't know. But I know this. I clean my rifle, my shotgun every night in the bedroom, so I don't want any foul-ups that day. Most guys don't. I carry my gun. I'm driving this by my leg. My vest is already on, and I have four or five boxes of shells with me. When I get out of the car, I'm first looking for the tall tree or corner because I know where birds tend to fly. My buddies will be getting their coffee jug out, taking a sip of coffee, maybe eating a taco, getting their guns. So by the time they get out there, Larry, I probably have already killed 30, 40 birds. And then you'd hear someone like Rhett Waller, Randall Snorter, they're, they're taking a siesta while I'm killing birds. And then they're honking the horn, time to go. And I'm saying, time to go? Their birds are still flying. Now, I know this, I've never hunted with anybody in Mexico that had a bigger shell bill than me. But Larry, you know, we have a rule. You can never ask somebody, how many times did you shoot? We can only ask, how many birds did you get? Art Williams never asked me when I told him I got 20 recruits. Well, how many people did you have to call? He never asked that. He just said, how many did you get? And so I tell Larry, I mean, I tell my guys and I tell my son that day, it's not about how many times I fired. Uh, that doesn't matter. The, that, I mean, not how many uh percentage i shot is what i'm trying to say the key is how many times i fired the gun so let's well, say i can't sir, tell you mike you you psyched me out you know uh because you've been going down there for 17 years you bugged me about going down there and then i fell in love with it when i went down the first time but by this time i had it in my mind that you were just some master shot you know and uh after having shot right next to you many days <laughs> side by side i realized that was the answer. I mean, you just went through. You also, you know, a brilliant shot. But the thing is, you went through the shells. I mean, you were you were after it. And uh, uh, it's not like you had like one shot every every five or six minutes. No, you know, and uh, uh, it was the numbers. And I do remember the fact that nobody the, the one way you could get thrown out of the club was ask how many shells we uh went through you know just ask about the birds the results and the and truth of the matter is the guy that's firing the most shots guess what he eventually probably becomes the best shot to why practice practice and the guy that makes the most presentations in primarica probably is going to eventually be the most effective at it but i don't know if i as as good as someone else recruiting somebody or making a sale but i know this even if they're better than me if i see more people i will win and that's the way it was. So I told my son, I said, son, I don't know, but I just know I'm going to fire a lot more shots. So if somebody's maybe 10% better shot than I am, all I got to shoot 11% more shells than he got, and I'll get more birds. But um, now, how did that, how did that uh, play out? Kind of walk through some of the step by steps because you were, you know, you knew you had to get the people in place. Uh, not just get them started, but you had to get them in place. And what were things you looked for? What were things that you taught people? What would cause you to spend a lot of time with somebody? I mean, you're not going to continue to take your time, uh, a guy hunting and fishing and from your base shop, and the guy never does anything. I mean, you, you know, you could identify. I remember one time it was Josh Huffman, uh, uh, 
said that uh, um, either you or Art Williams, told, he was telling Art, you know, he had all these people and Art said, yeah, but how many horses do you have? I think that was you. That you know, was like, how, many, yeah. how many studs do you have? And Josh said, well, actually none. <laughs> They're yeah. all mule. They're all mules, you know. But, uh, you know, you evaluated who you spent your time with. You just wouldn't keep uh, what you're spending time with. You're making your mind up about is this person uh, somebody that I can build with. Talk about your, your mentality about that. Hey, listen, there's a lot of information online, but there aren't a lot of people who have actually done something. In my case, I've actually built a successful business that's accrued over $5 billion in assets under management and has done well even during trying times. Now, if you want to know exactly how I've done this, go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now. I've compressed a decade of learning into five short weeks just for those of you who want to give yourself an incredible advantage and are tired of waiting and watching others move up. Well, uh, that was me uh, that Art had called me that day. And, you know, I was expecting a hoorah talk from Art Boyd. Go get him, Mike. And he said, how many studs? How many leaders? And I said, well, I got about 18 direct managers. He said, I didn't ask you that. How many studs? How many more Randy Godfrey's you got? How many more Hartman's? And I thought, Boy, I don't have any. He said, well, you haven't won yet, have you? And uh, that was a hard day because, you know, you, we try to fake ourselves and thinking, you know, I got, a, I got this hand and I, I've got a football team and I think we'll beat your team. But in reality, I know they're old, they're weak, they're not strong, and your, your team's going to win. And if you know sports, the guy with the best team's going to win. And, and Art was very honest with me. He said, Mike, you haven't won until you get you some more studs. And so what I had to do, I started a whole new separate group that day. And that's when I went out and hired Josh Huffman shortly after that. But I started in the same office, but I started a separate manager's meeting, a separate op meeting, because I didn't want the new guys coming in here, some of the old guys. Well, I've been here three years and, you know, you don't make no money. No, I, I said, by the way, if one of them even asks you who you are, tell them you work for some other RVP. Don't tell them you work for me, because I got these guys believing that we're going to do something big. Uh, years ago, uh, my oldest son was still he just out of college, I guess. And some guy invited a bunch, about five guys. One of them, he come over and have supper with them that night. And Larry, they were all about 50 years old, had been fired many times from corporate job. Now they got another job. And I'm sitting there, you know, and I mean, it was just, I thought, why am I wasting my time with these guys? When we got through, my son said, Daddy, um, what did you think about those guys? I said, no, you tell me what you thought. He said, I'm surprised you met with them. I said, son, let me tell you something. There's a big difference between a gildan and a stallion. And I said, you just saw five gildans. Corporate America has gilded them. When they're recruiting for the Army, Larry, they don't hire guys 50 and 60 years old because if we say, charge that machine nest, they say, are you crazy? That'd get killed. 18-year-old guys, I got it, boss. Man, they can't hit me. Yes, they can, but he doesn't know that. In this business, I want young guys who are ready to conquer the world, and, and they, they don't hear all this garbage from these corporate guys, oh, it ain't going to happen, blah, 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 blah. So what I was always looking, if you look at the model, Larry, I know how old you were, I know how old I was, I know how Rusty Crosston was, most of the people aren't hired was those guys, 25 to 35, young couples, uh, good ethics, uh, hard work, people skills, when you get that, it's a lot easier to win with. 
I mean, I can go into an office and I see what the relationships look like. I can look at the age of the people and I'm thinking this team will win. Now I may make a mistake every once in a while a guy and he may surprise me. I don't get many surprises, but what I'll do, Larry, if the guy's just not doing something, I've always got some managers need some people. So I'll just say, why don't you work with Joe here? Now he's still on my team. And if he's one of those late bloomers, he's still on my team. We'll go for it. But I've got to find the guys that I'm investing my time and energy in that I feel like there's going to be a repay that someday that guy's going to see it, catch on. Now it's like puberty. Some people take some while to go through puberty. You see a kid, it's like he doesn't have a muscle on his body. He'll never play sports. And then one year he grows five inches, you know, and it gets tall and puts on 20 pounds of muscle. And you think, my God, puberty is an incredible thing. In the same way in this business, sometimes it takes a while for some of the guys to go through puberty. You love them, but I can't invest intensive time on them. I've got to find people that I feel like would be the kind of people Art Williams will be investing in that I speak, that I can really feel like they've got potential. Uh, you, ever, you played sports, and you know you out there, and you see some kids are nice to have them on the team, but they're not going to hit a home run. They're not going to catch some diving shot off the third base and throw a double play. It isn't going to happen. You need some of those guys. They're great to have on the team. But if you're going to win, you better get you a couple guys that know how to play the game, have the speed and the muscles and the mindset. And somewhere in this business, there's always going to be some exceptions. But if you study the profile of 90% of the people who have been successful in this business, they're all young, married couples, kids, bobbed in school, uh, has a house, you know, just mainstream. You work in those and something's going to happen. I'm not going to say their names. I will say they're in the Dick Walker organization. But Dick had a convention over in Tampa one year, and uh, these two guys were in, in the pool talking, having fun. And at that stage, uh, they were making like $50,000 a year each. And so Dick, you know, came down, got in the pool with him, and he said, let me ask you a question. He said, what is it with you guys? He said, you got all the talent in the world, but at this stage of your life, you're just duds. <laughs> That wasn't, you know, that wasn't the pep talk they were expecting. But, you we know, today, today, both of them are million-dollar earners with huge organizations. But it was, you know, the, the lightning bolt can come out of the sky at any time. And we don't want to, you know, you don't want to give up on somebody who's continuing to try. And because who knows when that, you know, that uh, uh, will kick in for them or us or anybody else, you know? And so the idea is to have a lot of them. And we used, you know, somehow I got this, this picture, Mike, early on of my job was in the training center was like to have, uh, uh, you know, like eggs, like chickens will not, if you go out there and try and crack the egg, you'll kill the chick. You know, they've got to, they've got to crack their way out of their own shell. And, yep. you know, you got to leave them alone. They're on their own timetable. And when they're ready to come out, they'll come out. And they said, uh, the takeaway was, you, you got to look at your training center as this thing where a big nest and you get as many eggs in there as possible that of chicks that are in the process of developing and you sit on them and you keep them warm and, you know, provide the, the right positive environment where they can mature and in due time, you know, they'll come out. And, and that was the, the philosophy that we had. And 
that's transferable across the board if you're in a training situation. Don't give up on people that just because they haven't hit some kind of arbitrary development schedule that you put out there for them. But uh, well, I, here, I, let me just add that. I, I think the whole key, build a relationship, communicate with people, you create an environment, like you're saying that nest, that even though they're not doing anything, they're still growing. Now, now, let me just say this, Larry. I may differ from a lot of people in this. I don't hire a person because I think he can be successful in the business. I shared this example the other day with somebody. I was doing a phone call with somebody the other day. I forget who. And I said, I remember like yesterday, I'd started off as back during the Primera era. And I had a young guy. He had just recently got married. She had had a kid earlier. I don't know if she'd been married or not, but she'd had a kid by somebody. And the cell phones had just got hot, Larry. Everybody was selling cell phones and changing jobs and these wild teenagers, and they were just chasing gals and drugs. No telling what. It was just, a, that was a crazy time watching those guys. And he looked at our business and he called my guy and said, you know, it's just not for me. I'm not going to work for them. The guy told me, I said, you tell him that's an unacceptable answer. His dad had already dropped out of life and was selling coconuts on the side of Hawaii. He had no role models, Larry. He didn't have a clue about marriage and family. I said, you tell him, I don't care if he never makes a sale. I don't care if he never recruits a person. I don't care if he ever gives us a name. He needs to go to work for us because I know the road he's on is not a good road. He'll probably divorce within three or four years. You tell him he needs to come here and spend some time with the Randy Godfrey's of the world, the Bill Stewart's, and I just go on and on and on. So he goes and tells this guy this. He says, well, if Mike feels that strong about it, I'll sign up. He signs up. Right after that, he gets cancer. Now, by that time, while he was doing it, he got transferred to nowhere, Arkansas. Back then, we didn't have Zoom, didn't have no, no way he could do it. And so, but he ended up beating the cancer. But that's probably been 20 some odd years ago. I get a Christmas card every day. He's, he's got a gr phenomenal family that's grown in. He'll, I promise you, met that guy today. He'll tell you the best thing that ever happened to his life and got with some people, some role models, some people that say, this is where you want to go in life. This is what you want life to look like. Never made a sale. At the same time, I can't just invest every day in him, but I'm going to create an environment that hopefully that guy's going to come in and he'll have a lot of changes in his life because he needs a lot of changes. And he'll tell you, it changed his life. As now the daughter's grown and just love them dearly. Great friends. But yeah, fantastic uh, uh, story and example there of not giving on people and not letting them give up on themselves. If you enjoyed what you've heard and are dead serious about finding out for yourself exactly how this works in the real world, I've taken the most valuable business lessons I've learned over 40 years and put them into something for you to watch. Go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now in order to move up as fast as possible. I'm Larry Wydell, and I run the Million Dollar Mastermind. Go, go, go.